0: G'day and welcome into another episode of the Kiwi Football Fix. I am this guy right here and uh, you know what we've been in alert level three lockdown and here in Auckland and alert level two across the rest of the country so we thought why not take a wonderful opportunity to go strolling down memory lane with the Wellington Phoenix stalwart that is Chris Greenacre. Enjoy this. Greeny awesome to have you on the show mate how are you? I'm
1: very well, thank you. Delighted to have me on the show. So, uh, yeah, it's great to see you guys.
0: Mate, I thought uh, today we'd just sort of go down memory lane, have a a little bit of a stroll. I mean, I love nostalgia like you do probably as well. Uh, You know, you should hear the Spotify playlist that I've got going on in my car. It's nothing but late 90s, early noughties. And uh, so let's go down memory lane. And I want to know, first of all, how does a guy, a, a UK footballer, who's banging in goals for fun at Tranmere Rovers over the course of five years, all of a sudden wind up in Wellington. How and why did it occur, Greenie? It
1: was through chance, really. I had an old teammate of mine um, who who was basically talking to an agent and um, he he wasn't um, really wanting to come back to, to Australia. He was quite, you know, Set up in the UK, and um, I'd obviously seen the highlights show of the A League um, in the UK. The coverage was starting to to get be a, be a bit more popular, and um, he just said to me, "You know, would it be something you fancied?" And I said, "Ah, oh, yeah, I never, I never say never." Uh, at the time, I was injured; I'd, I'd fractured my foot, and then shortly afterwards, I I did my my knee, and um, so you're kind of in a in a vein where you're not playing, you're a bit fed up with the world, and you know the dream of maybe playing in the sunshine and, and trying. To something different kind of came on the horizon and basically the agent just gave me a call and and just said look uh, I've spoken to to my client and said to him you know I know someone else that might be interested in coming and um within I think two weeks um i kind of signed a contract and was on my way over so it happened really really quickly so um yeah snowballed from literally a life all set up in the uk to suddenly packing up everything and and moving to the other side of the world so um it was a shot from my wife when i came home and said look we're going to new zealand do you fancy it and uh, she was like great let's go for it so um, yeah she, she was all good to go and, and as soon as she was on board and, and you know I didn't really have to sell it to her too much and um, she was happy to go and um, here we are today um, I originally signed a two year contract thinking I'm not sure how long I'm going to be here for and uh, suddenly I'm still here so uh, and again delighted to be
0: here yeah part of the furniture you'd say but uh, not like a tatty old uh, uh, lazy boy chair more like a, a king's throne i'd say i mean you've had such yeah. an impact on the on the club there uh, take, take us back the, the quality of the competition when you first arrived back in 2009 how did it actually compare to what you were playing uh, over in england
1: it, it was very similar. Um, it was very similar. Um, you know, people always ask you the question, how does it compare? And, you know, the the, the way I, I kind of describe it is that there are players who could actually play at higher levels and then there are players who can probably play in the lower levels. And it's kind of a mixture of, of that kind of thing. Um, you know, you, you, you have quality on the ball, you, you see fantastic goals, but again, you see mistakes as you do in any other league in the world. So from that front, it's it's very similar. So, um, what was what was clear to me from early early days was that if if you you think you're coming in a, a, on a holiday, you're sorely mistaken. And I think that's you know there's probably been a handful of players in the past who've thought they'd come and see this as a holiday, and it certainly isn't. Um, first and foremost, if, if you're not fit enough to compete in this league, um, then you'll go by the wayside. And, and, and the standard of footballs uh, of good quality, and um, and that's why you see you're attracting, you know, a lot of big names over here. You know, certainly when I suppose Del Piero came over here, you know, he put the, you know, put the, the game up to another level. And I think the game's just gone from strength to strength, and um, and long may that continue.
0: Yeah, when you first turned up, you, the the team that the Wellington Phoenix had. The names are just legendary when you look through it. Paul Eiffel, who was just slotting goals for fun. Ben Sigmund, Andrew Durante as a young lad. Uh, You had a couple of younger kids. Costa Barbarousas, Marco Rojas, they were floating around. Who else? Daniel and Tim Brown in midfield. Jeez, the the list goes on and on.
1: Yeah, I mean, there was just some real quality there. Um, But it's been, it kind of goes before itself but the the team spirit that we had at the club was fantastic um you know you know there isn't an ego to go with any of those names that you've just mentioned um and everyone was in wellington for one particular reason and that was the phoenix Uh, and the 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 outward part of that was all the families and all the girlfriends and the wives were were all together as well so we'd go and play on away games you know and, and our camaraderie was great in the dressing room but then back in Wellington we had our wives and girlfriends had the similar kind of bond back in Wellington so this family vibe that we had um, you know really helped us on the pitch and um, and I think that's why we we were successful
0: yeah talk about that success if you can Greenie. in 2010 2011 2012 you guys are making the playoffs and going deep those times, they were insane. I'm thinking about, was it a playoff match against Perth, a playoff match against Newcastle at Wellington in front of 24 and 32,000 people? We haven't seen the like of it since. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it was fantastic. I think, you know, obviously you mentioned 2010 with the World Cup bid, um, and I think, you know, the All-Whites did fantastically well. We had the famous game at the Westpac that the whole city and the whole country got behind, and um, we kind of built on the back of that. And um, as you say, those fantastic crowds, and to see the Westpac that full um, watching soccer is just a a memory that I'll never forget. Um, You know, unfortunately, we we weren't able to get to that that grand final. We, We lost, you know, to Sydney under, you know, Horrible circumstances, where you know to this day we know it was a handball that went in, and and that arguably cost us a a place in the grand final. Um, But to see the whole of of Wellington come out uh, and to to support uh, um, to to support the club was was just fantastic memory and something that I'll cherish for uh, the rest of my life.
0: Mm. You had the opportunity to, uh, I guess, elevate your position within the Phoenix. Uh, Ricky Herbert extended to you an opportunity to become an assistant coach. Was that something that? Had lured you to Wellington in the first place? You say that you signed a two-year deal, but dreams and aspirations of becoming a manager—is that what also aided the move? Not really.
1: Not really, because at that time, although I was, I'd kind of started um, on the journey to to gaining my coaching qualifications. Um, it was it, it, it was always the playing that, that came first, and and the, the coaching qualifications were kind of a you know. A life after football you know you kind of get to your 30s and then it's kind of well i haven't made enough money that i can go and play golf every day so um <laughs> i'm gonna to have, to have another job, another <laughs> another interest and you know you, you you know there are players right now that are going through a similar circumstances like what what am i going to do and and it's a reality and i think um a lot of lots been highlighted with mental health um and a lot of problems with players who actually don't know what to do when they finish playing and and Kind of, i didn't want to go into that situation so that's the reason why i began my, my coaching badges um when i came here it was fully focused on on playing that's all i wanted to do was to do the best i probably could uh, for the phoenix and um, um and as i say, i'll never f- forget that opportunity that that ricky gave me to to be part of his coaching team um and and i think you kind of weigh up hopefully the longevity now obviously you can't play forever the body's not going to hold up so you know, what, what's the next best thing, and hopefully the longevity moving forward for me, and my family, and, and, and what I need out of the game. And, um, you know, Ricky gave me that opportunity. So, you know, I'll be forever grateful for that, that opportunity.
0: Yeah, Ricky did wonderful things with the Wellington Phoenix. That cannot be argued. And then all of a sudden, you're his assistant coach, but he leaves the club. What Did he, did he leave? What, what, was it fair and just, his departure, do you think? And then also, uh, with you in mind, what are you thinking when all of a sudden the guy who gave you your chance he walks out the door does that mean your opportunity walks out with him um to be
1: honest it was it took me by surprise as, as much as anyone him, him leaving the club and um, you know I'll, I'll be quite honest it was to to only being the job for a short time to be then put in that position was something just an absolute bolt out of the lightning. You know, I, I certainly wasn't ready for it, and, and and I'm quite open and honest about that. Um, you know, you've you've got a coach who's just been to the World Cup, been very very successful to come back, um, and and a, and a good leader. He'd put together a squad of players, as I mentioned, with who had a good good camaraderie. I'd now moved to the, the coaching staff, and um, it was a it, it was a really difficult time, and as I say, I, I wasn't I wasn't ready for it. But you kind of sink or swim. And um, Jonathan Gould, who was a goalkeeper coach at the time, um, you know, it took Jonathan by surprise as well. And I remember the pair of us we, we kind of went to a coffee shop, and we kind of went, "Wow!" And um, one one piece of advice that, that Jonathan gave me, and, and that will stay with me forever, was that it, it's a horrible circumstance whenever anyone loses their job in soccer, in whatever it is. But unfortunately, in, in, in sport, the game moves on very, very quickly. And I think within a matter of two or three days, we had a game coming up. So we kind of didn't have a, a chance to, to sort of go, wow, what do we do? Um, we had to kind of get on with it. And that's, that's how it was left. And, um, and, it, it, and and again, I think in the long term, um, that's a learning curve you have as a coach, that things that you have to deal with. And you know, we certainly tried to do that. And uh, you either sink or swim. And um, we certainly tried to, to swim.
0: I don't really know how to describe the next guy, Dario Kalazic, because as a Wellington Phoenix supporter, I've supported you guys right from the, the word go. That was a really tough time to, to support the team when you've got a, a coach who's unfamiliar with New Zealand footballers, unfamiliar with the A-League in general, and he had a way about him that rubbed people up the wrong way. You weren't an assistant coach of Dario's, but you were still in with the club, Can you tell us a little bit about his time there and and why it was so unsuccessful?
1: I think think you probably nailed it. I think um, maybe um, his understanding of of the A-League and and what the A-League was about um, maybe maybe caught him by surprise. whether he was expecting more, I, I, I can't really answer that. But for me, looking from the outside, from um, from the reserve point of view, um, you know, the, the, the club, I think, suddenly lacked a bit of a direction on the playing front, I think. Um, you know, and uh, I think, even now, we have a contingency plan. We have, you know, the reserve team are playing similarly to the first team. Um, you know, there's a continuation for the, for the players to follow. Um, and we didn't seem to have that. And we had that previously with Ernie. So for me now being um, with the academy or with the reserve team, I, can't, I, I personally didn't have a, a, a real direction. Um, and that's... that's right or wrong and 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 everyone has a different opinion on how a club should be run but um i think for me probably his understanding of of maybe the level um that the a-league was at wasn't up to what he was maybe used to and um yeah i I, may personally i think that's how he he found it a difficult time for him
0: Mm. how how were the players throughout because i got the sense that towards the end of his short reign they were they were upset with him for want of a better term Uh, what what did you see in those those players
1: Oh, I think to be honest, players are never happy when the results aren't going for them. And um, and to be fair, there were one or two performances that were 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 very 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 good. Uh, but also then, you know, you, you kind of losing becomes a habit. And um, I think you know we lost a number of games, and there, there came a little bit of, um, I suppose, problems in the dressing room. Not not so much at the coach, but you know, what all sport teams are like when things aren't going kind of too well. Um, you know, people start you know, having a dig at each other and it was just a I suppose a bit of unrest like that and, and that doesn't bode well if the dressing room seems to go, but by the end of it I think the the the, the coach had probably lost the dressing room and um and that's always very difficult to maybe reverse when when, when things go too far and, and that was kind of my, my view on it.
0: Mm. Um And then I suppose um, good old Greeny to the rescue again, you know, a familiar face comes into the dressing room and they're probably like, all right, cool, we can just get rid of that bad memory and replace it with a good one. Was it difficult to, to pick them back up after that experience? Or did you find it pretty easy?
1: No, never, never easy. Um, I think you've, you, 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 are, that's what you're trying to do. Um, you've got a small amount of time. You've got a small window of opportunity. The games are coming thick and fast. The morale's not particularly good. And, um, immediately you're trying to also trying to put maybe your stamp on how you think the team should go. Um, you know, you've got all the other stuff to contend with. you have got injuries, you know, um, bookings, sendings off, you name it, <laughs> you know, we've, I've kind of dealt with it. And, um, yeah, we would just um, just have to pick the players up the best we can, and um, um, and that's what we did. And again, you're trying to release the shackles from the players. You know, that's gone now. You know, the opinions that the other coach maybe had of view as an individual. You know, that's gone now. There's a fresh slate now. You know, we want you to work as hard as you can on a daily basis to to to, to get yourself into the team, and um, and we'll go from there. And that's pretty much you know how I've kind of looked at it. Um, having said that, this time round. Personally, I was more prepared, um, I was better prepared, um, you know, and, and the experiences that I learnt from the previous times kind of stood me in good stead and it's good to look back now that there are things that I did differently, um, stood me in good stead and, um, and, you know, I had good staff around me who were really willing to help and um, and that's all I could have asked for them.
0: So at that time, you say that you were in a better position, uh, you, you were, I, I suppose, you know, you'd had those years to, to learn your craft a, a little bit better. At that stage, when Kalisic goes and they're searching for a new head coach, how badly did you want to take the reins? I, I wasn't that overly concerned with it,
1: I'll be I'll be brutally honest. I wasn't that. Um, I haven't been from, from day one a coach that goes, you know what, this is something I really need and, and right now and, you know, hopefully in the future at some point. Um, You know that opportunity comes who knows um and i would deal with that when it if it arose but um i've never been one to really want to go out there and go yes this is what i want this is this is how it's got to be and when i know other people are like yes that's what that's what i want right now you know this is a long journey for me um you know i've still got lots to learn as we all are as coaches you're learning on a daily basis different things um and you know i I'm I aren't in a rush to get there. Um, and again, if the opportunity doesn't doesn't arrive, it doesn't arrive. Um, you know, I'm just trying to keep working on a daily basis with the, the current coaching staff that I'm with. And and, and again, trying to improve as a, an individual, um, you know, working away on, you know, my pro license as we speak. And um, hopefully when those qualifications come in, that's another string to my bow. And um, yeah, we'll take it from there. And that's kind of how it's been for, for quite a while,
0: to be honest. Mm. Tell me a bit, a bit about Mark Rudan because he, he came in and he charmed the pants off me. The charisma of the bloke, the ability to talk, you know, it was the exact opposite from what we had with Dario Okalicic. And then as he's, he's wooing me with his siren song, he rips my heart out and wanders back across the ditch. <laughs> what, what happened there?
1: Well, yeah, he, he, you know that kind of happened with all of us. Um, you know, we were disappointed for for him to, to leave the way that he did, but you know, he's got his reasons why he 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 did what he did. Um, but you know, from from a coaching point of view, you know, the way he can motivate a team and motivate um, you know individuals is a real strength of his. Like you say, he can talk. He's got a real. Um, way with with how he speaks to people and um, certainly you know in a player in a dressing room when you've got Mark Rudin talking you you know and motivating you the way he did you know you see why you've got a lot of um, it, it gets a lot gets a lot of impact so um, you know that's certainly a, a real strength of his and um, yeah we, we were all with him and then you know unfortunately he got a what he probably saw as a better opportunity and, and he took it and um, again we were you know, back to square one, as it were.
0: Yeah, and not only did he take the opportunity, Greeny, but he also took Phoenix stalwart, Andrew Durante. And so, you know, Phoenix fans, they, they're a little bit upset with him still. I don't know how much light you can shed on the, on the whole situation there, but when you've got the club captain and he's played, he's now played more than 400 A-league games, Andrew Durante, uh, what, what actually went down there to usher him out of the club and back across the ditch?
1: I think only probably Jura and and Mark can can answer that. You know, I'm not really you know, in the know to, to know the details of, of what happened. But I think it's no excuse. Um, you know, Jura was a fantastic stalwart for our club and was, you know, was a legend, club captain and did a fantastic job. And, you know, supporters will always be upset at players moving and, and, and what have you. And, and, but that's the beauty of the game. That's why we love the game. And, you know, it gives them an opportunity to, um, to smash, you know, both Mark and Jura when he comes to the Westpac and, and, and you know, <laughs> And, and that's great. You know, we've all been fans and we've all done that. So, um, but the inner the details, again, is probably, uh, you know, not what I know really. So um, you probably have to ask those guys.
0: Well, the most puzzling thing for me is how he can play alongside Bessart Berisha. I mean, when he was wearing black and yellow, he hated the guy. <laughs> I know. Uh, it's crazy, <laughs> eh? But eh, it is what it is. <laughs> You're now sitting alongside Ufuk Talley. Where does he sit? I mean, you've obviously had a lot of different experiences with a number of coaches, Ricky Herbert, Ernie Merrick, Des Buckingham, who I haven't even mentioned. Um, you, you cleaned up Darje's mess, Mark Ruder. Where, where does Ufie sit amongst those coaches that you've worked so closely with?
1: Um, he's he's right at the top and that's not just me saying because I I, I work with him closely now Um, again similar to Ernie that he's coming with an identity of of what he wants and how he wants to see a club run and um, again I think it's not just the coaches the whole environment has been lifted by what he's brought to the club Um, you know he's very very you know uh, successful very experienced um, knows the game inside out um, and his knowledge of, of the game is is exceptional, and um, up with some of the you know the best coaches that I've played under. Um, you know his attention to detail is is through the roof. Um, it's 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 on another level, and um, and there's no reason for me why we're playing the brand of football that we're playing, um, and the way the environment's going, um, and and long may that that continue because uh, he's certainly the right man for the
0: job. Uh, Chris, you you arrived at the club in 2009. It's now 2021. And so by my count, that is, it puts you in your 13th year with the club. So why do you think you have endured through those years? I think um, the the moment we arrived in New Zealand, we wanted
1: to embrace the country, wanted to embrace the culture um, and become Kiwis. Um, And I think that's really important. Whenever you, you move to an environment Wherever it is in the world, a new working environment, even in the same country, you need to kind of become one of one of their own, and that's what we tried to do. And um, and I certainly feel that's why we're still here. Um, you know, I love being at the club, love playing for the club, love, love coaching at the club. Um, my wife works at the club; it's 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 part of our life. I can't. Sorry. Um, <coughs> <laughs>
0: oh my goodness, mate! We'll go with take three now. Nah. Yeah, uh, <laughs>
1: Uh, sorry. Oh, you're a good um, mate.
0: You can just no, we, pick up, we, you can we, just pick up, yeah.
1: Yeah, um, you know, my daughter, she's, she's now, she was born here, which we're very, very proud of. And um, yeah, we're just, just us and, and um, yeah, just, I can't really say why, but New Zealand's been very, very good to, for me and my, my family and um, I'll be forever grateful uh, for the opportunity that New Zealand's brought to me and my family.
0: Mm. Well, we're glad to have you here, mate. We really are. Uh, special people like you don't come along every uh, rainfall. So, uh, you know, you are more than welcome in New Zealand. You, you can you can stay put. Well, once you get back from Australia, of course. Look, uh, I, I don't want to keep you for too much longer, but just a, a couple of quick ones if I can, Greeny. Uh, just a, a bunch of quickfire questions. You can respond, elaborate as you see fit. Who's the best Kiwi talent? That you've seen during your time at the Knicks. It's Kiwi talent,
1: Um, probably Marco Rojas.
0: Marco Rojas, do you think we got the best out of him, or did he play his best football in the A-League away from home?
1: Oh, I think he's played his best football away from home. Obviously, Marco was, um, you know, a special young talent, and you know something that the Yellow Fever are very proud of, 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 helping find. Um, and I think he, he, he's gone on to do what he's done um, because the potential was always there. I think we just saw a glimmer of his potential um, at, at the Knicks. And um, I think it's clear for him all to see. And, um, you know, we hope he, he makes a speedy recovery, obviously, after his recent game and his recent injury. So hope he's, he's all well. But he, he was probably the best uh, natural talent,
0: I think. You're probably not going to want to answer this one, but I'm going to put it to you anyway, mate. Uh, you just never know. I might get lucky. A New Zealander who didn't quite fulfil their potential.
1: Didn't quite fulfil their potential. I'd say probably Costa Barbarouss while he was at the club. I think Costa um, needed to leave the club when he did. And he needed to, to go. Um, I think he was to, he went to Brisbane Raw. And um, he, he certainly learnt his trade there. And I think we then saw the best of Costa... Um, probably against us, um, you know, in the future. So I think at the time people say that Costa should have remained at the club and stuff, but he needed to get away and for him to improve himself, and and I think he certainly did that.
0: Lastly, Greeny, what happens next for you? You're obviously assistant coach with Uffy. Where, where do you want to go? What do you want to do?
1: As I mentioned earlier, I'm you know, the longevity now hopefully is in coaching and um, I can remain where i am and um you know keep keep improving um as i say if if an opportunity came um to be a head coach at any point again that's something that you would look at but it's not something that i want to go out of my way and and you know really sort of demand you know i know the flaws in in my my development and what i need to improve on personally Um, and i'm certainly certainly working hard to to try and improve those so um, again, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to be involved in, in professional sport in New Zealand and, and this part of the world. And um, you know, I want to want to give back to to a game that I love. And this is the next best thing to play in is, is being on the park with the players every day. I love working with the players, and um, you know, as, as I say, it's certainly the, the next best uh, place to be.
0: You're a Wellington Phoenix icon, and it's been an absolute pleasure having you on the show. Fantastic to chat, Chris Greenacre. Thanks so much for your time, man. Really do appreciate it.
1: Thank you very much for the opportunity. Take care.